We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, boys and girls. How are you? You know, today is going to be a wonderful day. Today could be a wonderful day for many reasons. We might get mail from the postman. Or we might just get a song from Ace. Because I'm back. everybody and welcome to another episode of the corner podcast this week's episode of the corner is brought to you by casper mattresses casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost you know me and andreas are always covering events we're always writing articles but when we do have time to sleep we lay our head down on a nice pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. 
That's Casper.com backslash the corner promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? It's been a while, but welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. In case you forgot, this is Kel Dansby here with Andres Hale. Like always, we missed one show. It was a week and everyone lost their minds. So I apologize. The laptop, RIP, uh, just kind of went out on us mid-show last week. And the show was fire, by the way. So I'm sad you guys don't get to hear that. But it's okay, because today's show is going to be even better. Uh, Andres is refreshed, got the week off. You know, old men need need time off every now and then. He's coming back on fire. Really? Hey, I'm just telling the people the truth. A lot happened in that week. Um, in case you guys don't follow me on social media, I'm back with my girl. Uh, we got matching tattoos. Or not matching tattoos, but we got each other's names on our hands. So in case you saw my social media and think I'm crazy, uh, I am not. I think we discussed getting like a significant other's name tattooed on the show before. And I said I would do it. And I stand by that statement. I have done it. So... You guys know me by now. There's no moderation in my life. But I am back. You can hear the, the little uptick in my voice. No more sad Kel. I was on my Joe Budden for a second. But I, I'm feeling good, Andres. We're moving into the spring, summer months, and uh, everything's going well. well. What have you done in the two weeks that people haven't heard your voice? Nothing. Um, <laughs> what, a, what an amazing it, life. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not that thrilling. I haven't... Nothing that I can recall. It's just the usual stuff. Writing and uh, watching fights. And uh, yeah, well, nothing special, man. It's, it, people think my life is super glamorous, and it's really not. Well, this is what happens when you have 18 jobs. Well, um, yeah, you work like a slave, bro. Yeah, congrats on the new Two Dope Boys article, though. Read it. It was dope. Oh, yeah. Well, the next one's going to really stir some shit up, but... Uh, <laughs> This um, one, you know, there's a few people, you know, I, I've anointed Ninth Wonder as uh, a legend in hip-hop and worthy of discussion to be on Mount Rushmore. And some people are like, nah, he's not. And I'm like, I had to break it down, you know, for his work on Kendrick's album. A lot of people just jumped up and all of a sudden thought, like, Ninth Wonder has just got here. And dude's been around for 15 years, but it is what it is. Hey, listen, you're educating the people. A lot of people listening to Kendrick's album haven't been around 15 years. So uh, keep that in mind. You, the internet's a strange place. Um, talking about Kendrick's album, though, it's here. It is dropped. Everyone's listened to it. I actually like it better than To Pimp a Butterfly. But we know where my loyalty lies on that. Um, I, I like Kendrick rapping. I don't necessarily need the themed Kendrick. I, I like this. I like just get to the bars, even though this had a, a loose theme to it. But I think the tracks were just more of my style. It was hip-hop. To the fullest. He just blacked out on this. Um, I'd say there's five or six songs where I think are super dope. The rest is, is pretty good. So it, it's probably not his best album, but it's close. It, it's hard to rank right now. Even two weeks away, it's like, man, this still probably is going to grow on me. Or it's one week removed. I'm like, yo, it's still growing on me. Yeah, I mean, it's still fresh and new. So a lot of people can have their opinions. You know, I've, I've obviously sat with it. No, I don't think it's better than To Pimp a Butterfly. That's to me still Kendrick's best work. But this is right up there. And it, it starts the real conversation of where Kendrick Lamar falls into the greatest rappers of all time. Um, that oh. conversation started the last album, but 
you got a guy who has four consecutive albums where people have called them uh, near classics, and I'm including Section 80 for sure. Um, I, I can't really name another rapper who has accomplished that feat of um, being consistently dope. You know, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's really, really hard because even guys like Lupe, who was one of my favorite rappers, I thought the cool and food and liquor were amazing. But then there's a significant drop with lasers. I don't think we've had that kind of drop with Kendrick yet. And I think he's worthy of this conversation. Well, I really like lasers. Um, but neither here nor there. There's, I mean, that's true. I, you got to look back to what M, M's first three album run, four album run was really good. Um, I don't even think it was on this level. I mean, I, like, Slim Shady LP and Marshall Mathers LP are classics to me. Those so. are phenomenal albums. But again, it's, it's those two. And then the Eminem show, which, which I is, thought. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's it's and okay. What, what was after that? Now, I can't even remember. No, I mean, yeah. I would count Infinite as this first album. So we mm. would end it there. Because <laughs> after that, it gets really shaky. After that, you get into voices and, and wild shit and talking yeah, it, like like the dog, whatever that is, puppet dog is. It's really, really difficult. I mean, um, even Kanye Jay's, had a, a good run. Kanye's yeah. first four matches. Kanye, yeah, late registration. Well, yeah, yeah, they do. Um, but he didn't write that. So I mean, he had ghostwriters throughout the whole thing. So it's a that's the problem. And that's what that's what I'm saying. He's worthy of the conversation. People think it's crazy. It's too early to annoy him. Well, how? I mean, it can't really be that early. It's four albums deep. And it's not like four albums. He didn't put out albums back-to-back weeks like Future did. Yeah. He, he's taking his time with projects. And his lifespan over the past nine years, really, it's about almost nine years, um, between uh, Overly Dedicated, the Kendrick Lamar, he's been <coughs> around. A lot of rappers don't hang around that long. You know, uh, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of artists that are here, and, and we talk about Biggie a lot. But you know, Biggie had the Barry Sanders effect. You know, he showed up, showed out, and he was gone before his skills could deteriorate. So, and I and I don't hold it against him. It just is what it is. Um, you know, we never got a chance to see Biggie fall off. We never really got a chance to see Tupac fall off. But Tupac's catalog is extraordinarily long. It just lasted forever. Yeah, I mean, um, Jay Z is three decades deep, so him. Not being number one is rough. Oh, I um, mean, yeah, but that's Kendrick, awesome. yeah, Kendrick being up there. I mean, it's a good case. I, I don't know, because if you tell me Kendrick right now, um, and, and I say like these this four album stretch, so that isn't even nine years, right? That's seven, seven or six, um, since Section eighty. So you give me these seven years, and you put it up against Lil Wayne, two thousand two, maybe through two thousand eight, all four Carters versus four. Kendrick albums, those would probably be the two runs I would compare for that spot. I'd pick Kendrick any day of the week. Oh, Carter 2, Carter 3, over Ken. Ah, it's rough, man. Lil Wayne in that span, Carter 1 through Carter 4, may be a little bit better than Kendrick's run now. Nah, absolutely not. Mixtapes and everything included. I can't even even fathom that discussion. And and Wayne had a great run. Without without the fall-off. Without the fall-off of Wayne... Even though he's spinning kind of better now, but without the fall off that that run, the dedications, the sorry for the wait, all it's better than Kendrick's run now. Yeah, and this is I, picking, this is splitting hairs at the top because Kendrick's a better MC and he's more talented. I can't, I can't 
see that. I can't. I can't fathom it. And, and Little Wayne had a great run, but even the Carter Three was wasn't that great. The Carter, the I mean, what I'm thinking, the Carter Two might have been his best work. Carter Two was his best album. Album, yeah. album, album. It was Carter Two. Um, Carter One was dope. Carter Four is probably second. So he had, Carter Two is the classic. And then you can say maybe another near classic and then two solid albums. What's the near classic? I'd give the near classic to the Carter three. Nah. Carter three, Carter four. I gotta look it up. I can't I can't give near classic to either of those. And it, it, that's just I mean his um, his impact like Wayne had a a great impact and he was one of the busiest artists that we've ever seen um, during for, that time frame. Is sorry for the wait, not one of the greatest mixtapes ever though. No. It has to be top five. Top five? No. Top five. Not in my opinion. And mixtape mix wise, sorry for the wait doesn't have one miss on it. Every mm-hmm. song was bananas. So I mean that that run he had, it's it's tough because Kendrick's a better MC. But when you're talking the Mount Rushmores, the top fives, it, it's hard to keep Kendrick out of the top ten now. No, he's definitely he's in the top ten. I don't yeah. even think that's in discussion, but um top five now, top five where well, here, I'm going to give you That's a tip a on what my, my next column is going to be this specifically. If Kendrick were to die tomorrow, he'd be the greatest rapper of all time. That's rough. That is rough. Um, but it's true it, because of how people look at death. That's your Ice Cube take. Yeah, it's my same take with Ice Cube. Oh, if by Ice the way, Cube first four albums, Ice Cube also should be in that discussion, right? Because there's um, two classics, N.W.A. I don't count N.W.A. You don't it's count not, N.W.A. No, I don't count oh. interview. I, I count uh, Death Certificate. I count America's Most Wanted, two of the greatest albums back-to-back two ever. Two classics, yep. Then there's The Predator. Predator was good. And then Lethal Injection, and that was okay, kind of see, weird. see, NWA would be in my four, and then Lethal Injection wouldn't have happened for the first four albums. Um, so it, it's, it's death. Dude, it, the sensationalism of death in hip-hop automatically elevates you to another level because Kendrick, if he died, wouldn't have the opportunity to fall off and it would sensationalize everything that he's done. So people would look at every, I mean, it's the Dilla effect as well. As much as I'm a huge Jay Dilla fan, the fact that he passed away has only enhanced his profile and it's a sad truth, but that's how people function when it comes to uh, these greatest of all time lists. If you don't have the opportunity to fall off, then you're going to be the number one of all time. And, and that's and it's an unfortunate circumstance, but the longer Kendrick stays around, the more opportunities he has to miss. And he, he has the opportunity for his skills to deteriorate or whatever could happen. Now, it's not guaranteed that that's what would happen. That's what it would have happened to Big, but all we, we remember it in a capsule. It's, dude, it's the reason why we talk about Aaliyah being one of the greatest uh, influences in music. Oh, I'll just be honest. No. She wasn't that good. No, she, she was the beneficiary <laughs> of Timberland. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I thought I liked Aaliyah's albums in the past, but to say that she, like, the way that people put her on a pedestal, she was the beneficiary of R. Kelly and then Timberland. Yeah. So, I, but people, there's a sensationalizing. Once she died, her ranking just, just shot up all the way up because people remember her in that capsule of being alive. She didn't have an opportunity to fall off. Yeah, I mean, she could have been Christina Milian in the long run. Lord, you know, we just never know. Exactly. Um, and that's rough, though. It's Kendrick, if he died now, 
I mean, he has, if he died right now, you have a pretty good case. Because he died right now, Kendrick would be a martyr like Tupac as well. Exactly. Because the political aspect of things. Yeah. And And, he's at the peak of his career. Like, he he hasn't missed on and out. So he's at the peak. And people would just go, that everything that's being conversed, because people, right now, and it's kind of the point of my Ninth Wonder article, is right now in the internet era, people are scared they're quick to call things classic, but when in, as time passes, people are scared to call people a legend because they're still here. It's hard to call somebody a legend when they're still around. So it's easy to say Biggie and Tupac and Cube because Cube is kind of out the game. And Jay-Z is even difficult because people are like, well, he's old and he's falling off, which I think is a bunch of bullshit. I think Jay-Z is the best rapper of all time right now. But that's how we look at things. Uh, but the internet era, we just everybody holds back, and they're just like, oh, no, he's still here. You know, we can't really anoint him because he's still here. It's unfair, but that's how shit works. Yeah, that's tough. So right now, Kendrick's in your top five. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I would say so. I I would say he's one of my top five favorite rappers, and, and a lot of people would be pissed because they'd be like, oh, well, what about Andre three thousand? We haven't had enough of Andre three thousand solo work, and as great as Andre has been. I need a solo album. Yeah. I need a project of just him. It's a lot easier to write one verse versus writing three. You know, and, and it sucks, but it's true, man. Like, people, they, they love Andre, and I, I love Andre. He doesn't miss, but he hasn't had that many opportunities to miss because he's always there. Yeah, big boy balancing him out also helps. Um, uh, yeah, man, that's tough. Kendrick in the top five. I can't wait to see what people say about that. Um, but we got to switch topics and talk about a ton, a ton of MMA because we've missed out on everything the past two weeks, it seems like. Um, we had UFC 210, which we'll talk about first. We have UFC on Fox, Kansas City, which just happened last week. And it seems like we've been bombarded with cyborg news. And she's been everywhere. I don't understand why necessarily. She just came out of the blue. Um, but cyborg wants a fight. And it looks like they're aiming for that LA card. Uh, it was at 214. Do you see Cyborg getting the fight against Deronime and actually winning it? Or is this one of the things where Cyborg's never going to be a champion? Because I feel like it's one of those things where it's cursed. It's, it's kind of the Khabib curse. Like something's going to go wrong. Ooh. Well, with, with Cyborg, I think the bigger issue is Deronime, does she want to take the fight? And <laughs> You're that's the champion. <laughs> but that's the problem. Is, I mean, Cyborg is such a fierce opponent who has completely flatlined everybody that she has fought in MMA, that it's the run of me is like, I just got this. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to give it up now. But there's really nowhere for her to go. You can't get around Cyborg. No. But if Cyborg's, you know, she's on social media announcing that she's fighting at 214 in Anaheim. Um, you know, uh, Ariel Hawani stated that that's the fight they want to put on at 214 in Anaheim. There's only one person holding this up, and it's Jermaine. And it's, you know, they'll probably use the excuse that she's not healed up from surgery. But the fact of the matter is that I don't think she really wants that fight. Yeah. She doesn't want that title. She's so, clutching the title at night, just rocking back and forth in her room with it. Yeah, I mean, if you go back in boxing, it's, it's very similar to if a lot of people remember when Lucia Riker was fighting. And nobody wanted to fight Lucia Riker. And Christy Martin, who everybody loved, you know, the coal miner's daughter. And she was on the Tyson undercards with Don King. Mm-hmm. Lucia would have dragged her, but the fight never happened because, dude, nobody wanted to fight Lucia Rocker. She was a murderer in the ring. So the same thing's happening with Cyborg. It's like you look at it and it's like, what is it worth to you to get killed? 
And <laughs> for a lot of for a lot of these people, it's like it's not worth enough. So I don't see her signing this contract. The UFC is going to have to sweeten that pot because if she's looking at how much she stands to make in that fight as champion, it better be six figures for her to potentially end her career. I mean, she probably won't even end her career. She probably just get beat up beyond recognition. But who wants that? Yeah, I mean, she's it. It's a favorable position because you're getting pay-per-view points because John Jones won't headline. So if that's, in fact, the John Jones DC card, Dana White will be stubborn. That'll be the co-main in which, in the main event, you're guaranteed pay-per-view points. So you're leaving with, I mean, what, champions get 500K automatically plus pay-per-view points. As a a female MMA fighter, you're banking a million dollars. You can't ask for anything better than that. Yeah, so... Look, I just don't see. So to answer your question, I don't necessarily see you're taking that fight. Um, it's a big deal and everybody's going to talk about it. But if I'm Jermaine, if I'm not even if I'm Jermaine, if I'm just looking at Jermaine's circumstances right now, I don't think she wants that fight. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, you just can't hold the belt forever, though. Like, sooner no, you or later, can't. you got to defend it. Absolutely. I just don't see her going, you know what? I want to get my ass kicked tonight. And, she, dude, she barely got by Holly Holm. She'll get killed. Yeah, that would be ugly. It would be quick work. Um, let's talk about UFC 210 because that was two weeks ago now, but we didn't have a show last week. Um, Rumble retired. DC won. Uh, what else? John Jones was talking trash the entire time. And we had some other solid you know, fights on the card as well. What stood out to you from 210? I mean, well, obviously the, the fact that uh, Cormier did exactly as I said. He survived for seven minutes and he choked out Rumble, but then Rumble retires and effectively thinned out the entire light heavyweight division. So that that was point number one. Number two was the unfortunate finish to the Musasi Weidman fight uh, with the knee and the instant replay and the TKO. It's a bunch of mess, and I don't know with the way, especially with what happened with Jocker and Whitaker. I don't know if we're going to see an immediate rematch between Weidman and uh, Musasi, which sucks. Because Weidman, the former champion, has now essentially lost three fights in a row. Um, and I don't know exactly where that puts him. But then it's, if I'm a fighter, I'm not fighting in New York because you're going to take too much of my money in taxes. And y'all don't know how these rules work, uh, the unified MMA rules and this instant replay bullshit. So just stop fighting in New York. Yeah, um, the New York fighters don't even want to fight in New York anymore. And it took six months for that. Um I guess those are two things that stick out to you. I'll pick two different things. Uh, Boobgate was huge during 210 week, uh, no pun intended. But Pearl Gonzalez lost. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo, she's the truth. Uh, Dana White anointed her, like his next, uh, I guess, BFF. And when he does that to someone, it's usually because they have talent. So it's going to be great to see her. Strawweight is really shaping up nicely for the future. Um, Rose, oh, yeah. is, Rose is still crazy young. Uh, Calvillo is there. They have uh, someone else who just finishes people all the time. What's the Brazilian jiu-jitsu chick? She was on The Ultimate Fighter. Are you talking about Tatiana Suarez? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Tatiana's there. Um, and I think she's going to run through the division because she presents a challenge we really don't see in that division right now, which is just unbelievable ground game. And then, I mean, you look at uh, Lee. From from one championship, and how long is she going to stay there? I understand that they're paying her the farm right now. Like she's only twenty years old, but you look two, three years down the road, you blink, she's going to be in the UFC. 
fighting strawweight. She won't be an antiweight anymore. So the the future is bright in that division. And of course, Joanna is ruling it with the iron fist on the top. And then the other thing that sticks out to me is Will Brooks is trash. Damn man, I wouldn't call him trash. I mean, he's trash. Like, listen, man, this trash. Ain't, this Come ain't on. this ain't it. You can't you can't be a points fighter in the UFC. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. Those days are over. Um, you take that back to Bellator. Because once you try being a points fighter, your your curtains, you're washed. It doesn't work in the UFC. Everyone in the UFC is a finisher. They are a killer. They want to take you out. It's not trying to go to the judges. The best people at the highest levels are finishers. And he's not a finisher. So he's going to continue to lose. And it's just I'm not a- built for him. His style's not built for this. And that's why in the UFC, he's trash. And we see it with everyone. Um, it costs Wonderboy the last fight because he had a... He had a points mentality. You have to bring that finishing mentality. We've seen it with Uriah um, Uriah Hall all the time. That's why he's super talented but can't win fights. He doesn't have that finisher's mentality. He's in there thinking it's a video game trying to have fun. That's not what the UFC is about. And, I mean, you just go down the list. Benson Henderson lost it for a second. He wanted to be a points fighter. He's damn near been a points fighter his whole career. Caught up to him in the end. He couldn't win anymore in the UFC. Um... I just can't, I can't see Will Brooks doing anything else. Like, he, he's ranked 15th right now, and that's generous. He's, he's not built for it. I wouldn't go as far to call him trash, and I think that's a, there's, that's a hyperbolic statement. And then to counter your point that points fighters don't win, George St. Pierre is the greatest welterweight of all time, and he was the definition of points fighter. He hasn't fought since 2013. But Let, I'm just saying. Let's he see his be- next fight. Let's see. Okay. Furthermore, and, and by the way, he's going to duck people who are actual finishers. So he's not going to fight Woodley. He's not going to fight. Um, shit, you, you probably might take a shot against Whitaker, but he wouldn't fight the Rockholds of the world. He's going to take that belt. He's going to try to fight the welterweight champion and and hope and pray that it's Damian Maya by then and not Tyron Woodley. But he was a points fighter. Is my point. You said points fighters can't get far because everybody's a finisher. It, yeah, he, and, fought, and he fought finishers. Yeah, but now it doesn't work. Now it doesn't work. He he fought a guy in Big Rig and got mollywop for most of that fight. And Big Rig can't, can barely compete right now. Well, I mean, that's because the the wear and tear on Big Rig's body from the weight cut. But if you talk about another points fighter and somebody who we'll talk about shortly, uh, Mighty Mouse just started finishing people. He was just fine, you know, going the distance with people and beating them on points. But point uh, Mighty is, Mouse has a lot of finishes. He, I mean, he has a lot of... Uh, a lot of subs, a lot of late finishes. I don't care if you finish someone in the last 25 minutes. You've been trying. I mean, in the last 25 seconds, last one second. But my point is, Will Brooks isn't trash. He's just struggling against better competition because he lost to Charles Oliveira, Who was um, which was. But oh, no. before that, he lost it to an oversized Alex Oliveira, who was who missed weight. It's like when Lomachenko lost to Salido. He lost to a much bigger opponent that night. And so I gave I him that. I, and so, a lot of people I lose their first trash, fight. But I'm not calling – I wouldn't say that Will Books is trash. You call him trash. Yo, right now he's a, trash. He's mentally he broken right now. He lost a fight, dude. He lost one He's lost fight. two fights. I'm just saying. The, I don't I, – I mean he lost to Alex Oliveira, but that he was outweighed. And like, he just, lost this one in spectacular fashion. He got choked out by Charles. I mean, dude, Carlos Condit got choked out. There's a lot of people who've lost. Dude, George St. Pierre got knocked out by Matt Serra. That doesn't mean that he's trash. No, but it doesn't happen back-to-back fights. Again, he lost to Alex Oliveira, who was way bigger than him. He is a former champion in Bellator against guys like Michael Chandler. 
So I, I Listen, wouldn't I go gave, as far. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I gave him the mulligan on the first one. Eddie Alvarez lost when he first came over. Did that make Eddie Alvarez trash? No, but guess what? His second fight, he picked it up, and he didn't lose again until Connor. But Will didn't lose his first fight. He beat Ross Pearson. So he lost to an oversized fighter, and he lost to a submission specialist. That doesn't mean he's trash. That just it means he's got to do better against better competition. All right, we got to see the next one. I, I mean, what are they going to do? Throw him in there against someone who's ranked 18th to build confidence? I mean, dude, he, there are fighters who are out, ranked outside of the top 15 who are actually pretty good. So that division, lightweight, is pretty goddamn loaded. So I wouldn't say that, you know, I mean, ranked 18th. We don't know who else is ranked there, but he can still win fights. He's not going to be champion. I think the top five is going to be very tough for, uh, for somebody like him, but I wouldn't call him trash. All right. I need to see him against uh, the, the Detroit kid who has uh, Dewey as his coach. What is his name? Talk about Kevin Lee? Kevin Lee. Let's go. That's a tough fight for both of them. It is a tough fight, but I think Kevin Lee is like 19th, 20th right now. I mean, he's not ranked. No, he's ranked. Kevin Lee is, I believe, in the top 15. Oh, so he must have just snuck into the top 15. He's around there, though. He's around the same place. So that's a good fight for them. I mean, there's guys like Paul Felder that are are interesting fights for Will Brooks. Paul Felder's a good fight for anyone, though. He's an exciting fight. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that division is loaded, you're right, but it's oh, it's a, it's a rough road, rough road for him right now. So those are my takeaways, though, from, from the weekend, plus the stuff you said, and Daniel Cormier, you know, we're about to talk about Mighty Mouse, but it, it's hard to say Daniel Cormier is not the second best fighter of all time. Of all time? Of all time. Oh, Guy goodness. ran through heavyweights, like top, just- five, top five heavyweights. People who have been in the top five ran through them, dropped down, has held the belt, and defended against everyone except for the number one fighter of all time. Uh, I I might give him number two. So you're saying Anderson Silva is not one of the best fighters of all time? No, I mean... And George St. Pierre. I I think DC is making a case to jump both of them. He's making a case, but he hasn't done it. What Anderson Silva, uh, okay, we, we can talk about Mighty Mouse, but I wouldn't be so quick to already put DC above Anderson Silva and what Anderson accomplished in his heyday. Anderson in his heyday was, was great. And he was unbeatable. Well, I mean, he was clearly he was damn, unbeatable. Damn near unbeatable. Chael Sonnen had him beside a late mistake. Um, so, I mean, you say what you want in, in that case. And he did beat TRT Belfort, which isn't easy. So Anderson was the man. He was damn near unhittable, all this stuff. It it was amazing to watch. In which Anderson, there's a reason the guy's a top three fighter. I think John Jones has passed him. Outside of that, there's a case that Anderson Silva is the second best fighter of all time, especially in his prime. But DC has only lost to John Jones. Yeah, but DC doesn't have as many fights either. I love Cormier. Don't get me wrong. And what he's accomplished at heavyweight and light heavyweight is great. Strikeforce heavyweight champion. UFC light heavyweight. Yeah, but I mean... Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying, like, he did have a hard time with Alexander Gustafson. And so did he John. Has, he had an easier time than John. Wait, but I'm well, my point is Anderson Silva ran through everybody. He did not and, run through Chael Sonnen. That <laughs> was one per, but he still won. But so it's not, not everybody. But that but that's towards the end of Anderson Silva's record breaking run because he was middleweight champion. Then he was just jumping up to light heavyweight whenever he felt like it and knocking people out. DC still has a couple more fights before I would annoy him. And he's, he's too still, old. He's not going to get there. Well, he's, he's, he, I mean, if he 39. beats John Jones, if he beats John Jones, he has a case. He has a very strong case. 
All right, that's fair. If he I, does it, then it's the, he's the guy who just couldn't beat John Jones. Then he's the second. He's arguably, yeah, like, it's kind of like, like, like playing in the same era as Jordan. It's, well, you know, sooner or later, it's not fair. But it, my point is, is that, I mean, where we're at with DC right now, we still have a lot to see. And I can't anoint him number two already. Well, He's the division's to, trash outside of John. So it, what do you want to see? That's a problem. That, that is a problem that the division is trash. I He's think he mauls Jimmy. I mean, of course we think he mauls Jimmy because Jimmy's not really that good. But <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, like, you're putting Cormier already ahead of people like McGregor and Mighty Mouse. And we haven't even seen them finish out their careers yet. Listen, Cormier goes tomorrow and he fights a heavyweight and he fights Stipe and I'm picking Cormier. Well, that doesn't mean he wins. That's my point. I think he beats Stipe. I mean, I would love to see it. I don't I'm know why saying, he's not doing mean, it. But I can't whatever. anoint somebody based on potential. you got to show me. You have to prove it to me. All right. So we'll see. So let, let, let's talk about UFC Kansas City. All right. Kansas City. Let's talk about Mighty Mouse right off the gate. We'll start at the top. Um, he does it again. Was, yeah. there any, was there any doubt? No, there wasn't. So this is, wasn't that big of a surprise. He, I mean, he submitted a jiu-jitsu practitioner, so that, that was... That's um, impressive. Yeah, that was very impressive. But, let's, it, dude, it wasn't like anybody picked Wilson Reyes to win. If you did, you were trolling. <laughs> yeah, no, no one saw Wilson Reyes winning that. Um, the strikes, I, I think at the end it was like 118 strikes to 12 or something stupid. Yeah, he's, he's way, dude, he's the best fighter in the flyweight division, clearly. And there's nobody that's in the In the world. In the world. Um, unless a bantamweight can somehow cut down, those 10 pounds, that's when you really feel it. Hell yeah. When you're that, especially at that size. It's not even man size anymore. That's <laughs> pint size. So, yeah, it's a struggle to make that weight. But, yeah, nobody's beating Demetrius John- Johnson at Flyweight. Bibiano Fernandez, is, who trains with him, is probably the only other person that can compete with Mighty Mouse. Um, but, yeah, this, this, this was easy. Everybody saw this coming. People expected a finish. It, Mighty Mouse is over, he, like, he's, he has no competition, clearly. You think he gets the 15? He said he wanted 15, and then he'll retire. Dude, he, if he fights every month, sure. He, <laughs> this, is, this is easy. If he fights people in the flyweight division every month, because nobody's going to pose a threat to him, he can do that. But eventually, like, and this is where the problem with this whole pound-for-pound pound discussion is, you have to, eventually you're going to have to dare to be great if you want to be the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. But I don't think DJ really wants that in terms of like the fictional pound for powerless. He doesn't care about it. I think DJ really just cares about breaking records and then letting his record speak for itself. Because after it's all said and done, whether he moves up to fight at Bantamweight again or not, if he stays where he's at and ends his career on a winning streak, people are going to put him in the, in the best pound for pound fighter of all time discussion. If he dares to be great, jumps up and loses, his stock goes down. So why risk it? That's true. But if he jumps up and wins for any reason, then he damn near punches his stamp as the number one pound for pound ever. Yeah, it's just it's just a matter of if he can do it. And I, I don't think... He could wait for the right opponent. I think TJ would be a really good matchup for him. TJ would be a good matchup for I think it's not even the right opponent. It's the right amount of money to make take that risk. And it's kind of something that he alluded to in his post-fight press conference that he'd fight Conor McGregor if the money was right. DJ wants to be paid like anybody should. Yeah. So I, I, I and I don't hold it against him. Listen, so I just saw we, Mark Hunt get like seven fifty. DJ can get yeah. a mil. So when we talk about the discussion, which I, I, I presume is what we're going into, where he falls into the pound for pound list right now, I have a hard time putting him above Cormier. 
and putting him above even McGregor. It's it's tough because McGregor's won championships in two divisions. My problem with Conor is he hasn't defended the title yet. But Cormier was undefeated at heavyweight and undefeated at light heavyweight. And as long as John Jones is gone, he might be the number one pound fighter, pound fighter in the world. People will say Mighty Mouse, but the, the, the concept of pound for pound means that you're the best pound for pound. And he lost to Dominic Cruz, although it was so far long ago. Nobody that DJ has fought in this division has ranked in the top 15 pound for pound. You can't. like Conor McGregor's fought people that rank pound for pound. Hell, he, he beat, beat the, the number, number one, one. <laughs> in 13 seconds. So he has a case over DJ. And people will say, no, Al, he hasn't. Dude, he beat the best. When you beat the best and then you continue to win. Look, he lost an ADS, but he dared to be great and fought at welterweight. In 10 but, days, by the way. 10 days. Right. So he beat the people who presume was the best pound for pound fighter with John Jones, a guy who hadn't lost in over a decade, knocked him out in 13 seconds. Then he went and beat Eddie Alvarez, who pe- who beat Rafael Dos Santos, who a lot of people thought was one of the best lightweights of all time. So there's a case there for a flyweight who becomes lightweight champion who has beat people on the pound-for-pound pound list as the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. DJ hasn't beat anybody in the pound-for-pound pound list since he became a flyweight. And he's a victim of circumstance because there's nobody in that division that qualifies. And it's partially because he's watching everybody in that di- division. But he has to challenge somebody who people look at and go, that's a threat. He hasn't done it. It's, it's, like how we, it's almost like how we treat Golovkin. Because he had people like, well, he hasn't fought anybody. And you can't – I couldn't make him pound for pound best fighter in the world until he fought somebody like Canelo. Yeah. I don't think he's number one. You have to prove yourself. The knockout streak is, streak is great, but you have to prove yourself against elite competition. Connor's done that. He dares to be great time and time again. You can't hold it against that man. DJ is like second or third. Ah, that's tough. That's fair though. Um, yeah, I put DJ. Are we counting John Jones right now? No, we can't okay. count him until he comes back. All right, no John Jones. Um, man, so number one, pound for pound, right now, I would have to say Mighty Mouse has to have number one off of the strength of he hasn't taken a loss in five years, six years. So. You're not dropping. Everyone else took a loss. So theoretically, they have to drop below him. Now it's hard to jump him after that. Um, so even Connor, who did something amazing and record-breaking um, by being a simultaneous two-division champion, he should be number one. But he had lost, what, eight months before that, six months before that. So DJ has to be one, Connor two, DC three. Connor and DC are toss-up. Ah, shit. I... Again, I, I can't when you when you put their resumes next to each other. And as great as Demetrius has been, like yeah, Cormier lost to John Jones, who people recognize as like one of the greatest fighters of all time. But Cormier has beat Rumble Johnson twice, the most feared person in. Like D, DJ hasn't fought anybody where people say, "Damn, he might beat him." Even though you were a nut and said Henry Cejudo might have a chance, I thought but, the size in the wrestling might give him a yeah, chance, and, and it did nothing. But. Like people were picking against Cormier in both the Rumble Johnson fights. People picked against Cormier in the Grand Prix, the Strike Force Grand Prix, and said he because he was too small and he won the damn thing. He only lost to John Jones, who's not in this list. And if John Jones were to come back tomorrow, we'd put him back at number one on the pound for pound list. I can't put Demetrius Johnson above Daniel Cormier right now. I can't do it. Not in good conscience, not after what DC did against Anthony Johnson. Who is Anthony Johnson is better than everybody that Demetrius 
Johnson has beat in the last five years. That's true. Now that's a good case. Ah, it's tough. I mean, Connor's resume is better than probably both of theirs. That, and that's what that's the other problem. <laughs> like, if Connor didn't lose to Nate Diaz at welterweight, but he only lost because he dared to be great. Like he, it's something theoretically that Demetrius Johnson won't do, and yeah. made it clear that he won't do. I won't fight somebody that big unless the money's right. And blah blah blah. He won't do that. Connor did, and he's being penalized for it. And people are like, well, Nate Diaz isn't that good. Blah blah blah, dude. If you're fighting a guy who's weighs much more than you, you're daring, you're taking a chance. And with that, like I said, if DJ were to take a fight at bantamweight and lose, his stock would drop. People have dropped McGregor's stock. I didn't because he came back in his next fight and beat Nate Diaz, and then he knocked out Eddie Alvarez. So I, it's it's hard because it, I, I, it's hard because we got to see McGregor get back in the cage, and he has to defend his lightweight title. But he hasn't done so. But off of the resume alone, it's hard. It's hard because Jose Aldo and Eddie Alvarez are better than just everybody that Demetrius Johnson has fought in the last five years. It's, yeah, it's that's hard, true. Man. If Connor beats Khabib, he has to oh, be. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, he he jumps everyone. Yeah, there's no question. If Connor were to fight Khabib and beat him, there's no question. He jumps John. Ooh, it depends on what John does when he comes back. Uh, there's there's a lot of variables there. If John Jones comes back and not only beats but embarrasses Daniel Cormier, it's hard to, it's hard to put anybody above him because he hasn't lost. He lost by a disqualification. Yeah, we we as he was whooping we too much ass. Yeah, as as much as we uh, give John Jones the blues for the dumb shit that he's done, he is the best fighter we have seen in MMA. He he just he's made everything look easy except and then then if you factor in all the dumb shit like that he did before the Gustafson fight what he used to do before fights dude who beats this guy who beats John Jones it's I, tough man yeah if if DC can't do it next I don't know who can because my only guess was Rumble because of the knockout power and there's no he, more Rumble no if if DC can't beat John. The, then the next question just becomes, does John dare to be great? Does he go up to heavyweight? And then what does he do there? Because that's fascinating, John Jones at heavyweight. Yeah. That's an anomaly. He's a freak. Uh, like, we talk about his striking, that striking's a little suspect, but George St. Pierre's striking was suspect. Anderson Silva's wrestling was suspect. Nobody's really complete all the way around. There's going to be a hole somewhere in the grain. It's Miss Martial Arts. But John Jones is about as complete as they come. No, that's true. Uh... It's tough. Connor's achievements versus John Jones' sustained excellence would be one hell of a discussion. I mean, um, dude, John Jones has beaten Hall of Famers. Four, right? Yeah, five, I believe. Routinely. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and he's beating a guy that you're that you're literally saying is probably the number the second best pound for pound fighter of all time. Yeah. Can't put Connor above that. DC's gonna be a Hall of Famer. So I mean he's beating yeah. a add another Hall of Famer to the list. Yeah, so it's it's Really, really a challenge to uh, to stop John Jones. The only thing that can beat John Jones is himself. That's it. Yep. That's the only thing that can stop the booger John. sugar. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. Chasing a white unicorn. Uh, what else from this weekend? We had Rose Namajunas upsetting Michelle Waterson, which you said wasn't an upset. Um, Thug Rose in line for a title shot. I like it when Rose has her mind right. She's good. She's hard to beat. 
Yeah, I mean, I've said it before that Rose Dam Eunice is extremely young, and you know, people had Watterson as a favorite. I'm like, that's kind of ridiculous. These, these are very evenly matched fighters, and then Rose went out there and tormented her. She treated her like Paige Van Zandt. Um, Rose is in the unenviable position to. There's not tune-up fights. There's not a bunch of people you can beat up that are unqualified. It's Carolina Kalakiewicz, it's Claudia, and it's Joanna. That's a really tough top three. So. I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe she wants to get one back against Carlos Sparza for, you know, losing the inaugural strawweight title. But Rose is the the ceiling is sky high for Rose. She's really, really good. And what she did to Michelle Watterson was that was exceptional. So I'm hoping we see her a lot more. Um, And, you know, I hope she gets that title. It's well deserved. And her striking is approving her ground game. She's she's a threat. As long as you're not a, a wrestler like Carla Espinosa and you can ground her, and even Caroline Kowalke, which is is tough because of what she brings to the table, but Rose, she could be champion. Definitely. Um, the only other thing to talk about really is Robert Whitaker knocking out Jacare. Pretty yeah. surprising. I mean, Very Whitaker's surprising. moved up to third. Whitaker's third now in the rankings. Uh, he's not too far from a title shot. His damn self. They have him third. Yeah, he moved up to third today. Who did he pass? Oh, shit. That's a very good question. He obviously would pass Weidman. He passed Musasi? I believe so. Let's see. I will look it up, but he's third. I saw it hmm. today, like, on the ticker. Because it's, it's Yoel Romero and probably Luke Rockhold. Uh, and Rockhold wants to fight him next, by the way. Which makes a ton of sense. Because if the middleweight title is not there... Um, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you would put Robert Whitaker third. Um, he just knocked out a guy who people thought was unbeatable. Right. Shit, you could probably, you maybe be able to put him second. Last time Robert, Robert Whitaker lost was at welterweight to Wonderboy, I believe. So he's been on an yeah. ex- extremely great run. Um, these are the rankings. Bisping, obviously champion. Yoel Romero, Luke Rockhold, Whitaker. Then Musasi, then Jacare, then Weidman. Silver seventh. Yeah, you know, middleweight's a pretty fascinating division, man. And, that's, and, that's one hell of a top seven, top six. Yeah, because, I mean, we don't know what's going on with Bisping, but if Bisping is fighting GSP, I'm here for a if, – if they're going to go ahead and book a Musasi-Weidman rematch, um, and then I don't know who Romero's going to fight. He's got to fight. He's old. He's got to get out there and do something. But if it's it's Romero and Whitaker or Rockhold and Whitaker or some variation of these guys, dude, these there are a lot of great fights in the middle. Yo, give me point. give me the Rockhold Jacare, Romero, Whitaker, Musasi, Weidman. Let's just have a tournament. Like just, just throw it throw it in a bag. And, yeah, it's, and it's just pretty fun right rock now. with it. But it's easy to say Michael Bisping's the worst in that top five or six, right? Yeah, it's easy to say right now because he had a hard time with Dan Henderson. I mean, he, you know, the lucky punch or however you try to frame it with Luke Rockhold. But, uh, you know, Bisping has to have another fight. If Bisping goes out there and were to beat Romero, then it'd be like, all right, never mind. Uh, but right now, yeah, it feels like anybody can beat him. But we'll see. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it wraps up our UFC coverage. Uh, that's MMA for the week. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have to talk boxing. Not a lot of it, but we do have to get to some key fights and then finish up with wrestling. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. 
It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. And if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. If there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. What up, everybody? Thanks for staying through the break. It's time for us to talk boxing. We haven't missed that much. That's what I feel good about. But one thing we have to talk about is the fight you said would never happen. And it's damn near here. Mayweather McGregor is picking up traction. Dana White's doing everything necessary to let the fight happen. And he finally said that on the herd today. The UFC is willing to step aside. It's just going to be just Connor, give him a flat rate check to move out of the way, and then have at it. I still don't think it's damn near here. <laughs> all, all we heard was Dana White talking. Um, what, what did I say last time? 30%? 20%? I think I said 20%. Yeah. So I think the possibility of this happening is moved to 30%. Problem is, is that what Dana White has said is. In a vacuum, it sounds good, but is if there's that if there's seventy five million dollars to give Conor McGregor, you don't think that Mayweather's going to say I'd need one hundred and seventy five million, one hundred and fifty million, one seventy? No, I mean that's a lot. It's going to be the biggest fight in the history of combat sports. Yeah, it is. Um, guaranteed though, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't do better numbers than Pac Mayweather. Mm, it's getting there. Um, and here's the reason why. Because we're living in a day and age where, you know, Connor is the, the like Pacquiao Mayweather could have done better if Pacquiao remained undefeated and didn't get knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez. On top of that, because the, you had the national thing, Filipino versus America, and then you had black versus Filipino, you had good versus evil. What you didn't have in Mayweather Pacquiao was trash talk. One element that you truly were missing in that fight was pretty one side of the trash talk. This, on the other hand, is a spectacle. And I'm not necessarily sure uh, that this can't outdo Mayweather Pacquiao because this fight is so big right now. We haven't seen Floyd Mayweather fight. Conor McGregor's probably one of the biggest athletes in the entire world right now. It's a sideshow for sure, but it's one of those things as it gets close to the fight, more and more people are going to get interested in watching the fight happen. Oh, definitely. And the trash talk, like you said, is going to be legendary. So, yes. 
So selling this fight, it could eclipse Mayweather-Pacquiao. I'd hate me personally as a purist of, of combat sports. I'd hate to see it happen because I think this fight is a joke. No matter how many ways you slice it, it's a joke. But in terms of the appeal, this this could eclipse Mayweather-Pacquiao because even when Mayweather-Pacquiao finally did happen, it was like it was overdue, but right on time in this weird way. Like it should have happened before. We watched it because we were dragged out. Um, by all the bullshit in between, then it happened and we were like all interested and we were all in and then it was a shitty fight. So this is a little bit different because May- McGregor's mouth is, I mean, it's, it's leaps and bounds beyond anything that Manny Pacquiao's ever said in his entire career. Even every day, every day it's a quotable. And yeah. fight, fight Week's going to have 20 articles, 20 quotables from the both of them. Yeah, it's, it'll, the build will be insane. Um, again, going back to the, the likelihood that this will happen. Yeah, Dana said he'll step aside, and they want to give Connor seventy five and Floyd a hundred million. Hundred um, plus. I don't know what the plus means, but a hundred plus. Well, it, it comes again. It's, there's still a lot of factors that go into this fight. Just because Dana said it doesn't mean it's going to happen, and it doesn't necessarily mean that Connor's going to agree with whatever terms that Dana's talking about. Connor's. Instagram post kind of said that, like, I, I'm going to get more with marketing, blah, 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 blah. So there's still a lot of heads to be bumped um, as this, this thing goes on. So, I mean, will it happen? It, it should happen eventually. But the, as every day passes, I, I get a little curious that, you know, is, is Mayweather really going to make these concessions? I, I just, think Dana's making the concessions, and that's the first time I can honestly say that. I but, mean, but what concession has he really made? First off, I, I think it's going to be the entire promotion is going to be Mayweather Promotions. So it's not and Mayweather Promotions and Showtime. So it's not the Bob Arum factor, the HBO, the co-promotion. That's half the pie off top. Floyd's not going to deal with that. He So Floyd, the promoter, is going to get a fair cut of the money. So how much do you have to play Floyd, the fighter, on top of that? So well, coming he, in at 100, 110, plus a lion's share of the pay-per-view points, so you go 60, 40 pay-per-view points, it'll push Connor to about Manny's 110, 120, and it'll push Floyd closer to his, he goes 60%, Floyd's getting to the 160 range, and he got 180 for Manny. So you go 160, 100 for Connor. that's a wider split now. And then on top of that, Floyd doesn't have to cut more checks promotionally. He's getting all of the promotional money on top of that. So Floyd himself, as Floyd the promoter, Floyd the businessman, plus Floyd the fighter, is leaving that night around 250, 260. And that's the low end of it. Here's what you're missing. What is the UFC going to take to step aside? Th- they're going the- to take whatever the hell they ask from Showtime. And well, that's wait, what, but, that's but, what but, Floyd but, has to go do. Floyd has to wait. go find that money from Showtime. But but that's my point. They're saying they're willing to step aside, but how much is it going to cost? It ain't gonna be cheap. It ain't gonna be cheap. It's gonna it's gonna cost the seventy five. That's Connor's guaranteed. So off, off I mean, top, that, that, you got that's more. You but that's even more seventy five. But no no no, you're not cutting him seventy five because you're cutting a fighter seventy five. How much are you paying a promoter to step aside and reap the benefits of the pay per view, the gate, the upside, because to let Connor compete as an individual. You have there's dude that hasn't been discussed, like show because we talk about what, what Floyd's making, but dude, Showtime's got to make money too. They're oh, the one that's that's on. gonna be put. 
but but what my point is is like if WME IMG says, well, you stand this fight could gross over six hundred million dollars. Correct. So we should get a hundred million, and then you're going to pay Conor seventy five million, and then we want something else. That that could possibly happen. Nobody's there's nobody's stipulated the terms of what it's going to take for them to step aside, dude. I don't trust one man's interview that says, yeah, we're willing to make this deal for Connor, but are you really? And this is Dana talking. This is not Ari Manuel talking. This is Dana talking. There are still hurdles that need to be cleared for this fight to happen. I if think it took- even a loss to Mayweather makes Connor's next UFC pay-per-view two, two million buys. I don't. Because look what Mayweather's done to everybody that he's fought. He boosted Canelo into superstardom. Mm, Canelo's different. He had a country behind him. Connor does it? <laughs> no, he does. But my point is, losing to Floyd Mayweather, I don't think it necessarily boosts automatically boosts him to two million. Like, I think he does too. I mean, he's done one point six already. And, 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 and furthermore, the Mexican contingency in America as the buying public is a lot different than the Irish contingency in America by, as a buying public. So, it, I, I, I see where there's a, obviously McGregor can't really lose any way you slice. He's going to get rich. And if he stays upright for however long they deem this fight to be, he'll look better than he, he went in. You know, unless Mayweather went out there and embarrassed him and knocked him out. But either way, there are a lot of terms that still need to be ironed out. Just because Dana says something doesn't mean it's true. And we should all know that because Dana told us the UFC wasn't up for sale. Dana told us that Brock Lesnar was, was going to come back. <laughs> I don't believe shit Dana says. So, yeah. again, this fight, the likelihood of this fight is it went from 20% to 30%. I give it a 10% increase. It doesn't mean much. Like, I'm putting it on the opposite of the I think it's around 60. 60, yeah. 70 right now. I got to see more. I have to see more, man. I can't. This this lip service of, you know, because, I mean, again, let's also talk about Floyd said Connor would get $15 million. You're going to boost that $60 million and think Floyd is just going to be like, okay, cool. Nah. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. It's tough, but I think it's getting closer. That's what I can tell. I think it's getting closer. Um, let's recap some of the boxing that is happening or that's going to happen. Um, we saw Lomachenko dominate again. What's next for him? Um, ideally, a Lomachenko, Mikey Garcia should fight should be next. Uh, I, I'm not too sure if that happens or not. There's a lot of, you know, Lomachenko's got to go up and wait again. But, dude, nobody's beating this guy. Vasil Lomachenko right now, the most talented, skill-wise, fighter in boxing. Um, he does things that, you know, you look at him and you're like, I haven't seen that before. The angles that he punches in, he, you know, he made Jason Sosa look like trash. He made Nicholas Walters look like trash. Now he just needs the opposition to continue to embarrass. So, um, but I, I'm hoping that a Mikey Garcia fight is next. No, yeah, I mean, I, the same. Lomachenko is one of the best offensive technical fighters that I've seen already, that I've seen ever. It's, um, it's crazy. You just don't see that. You see people being technical, but for defensive sake, to do it and be offensive with it, it's just a thing of beauty. That's, you know, it's Ray Leonard, Ray Robinson status. Um, you don't see that every day. And Lomachenko has that it factor. Um, a fight coming up this weekend. We have Porter versus Birdo. Uh, we sat down with Sean P. what, two weeks ago? Picked his brain about the fight. He's looking good, looking confident, looking in shape. Andre Berto is Andre Berto coming off of the Mayweather paycheck. Do you give Berto any chance at upsetting Sean Porter? No. Um, 
And even though, you know, after the, the Mayweather check, he fought Victor Ortiz and knocked him out, but who the hell is Victor Ortiz these days? Um, but, no, Sean Porter's conditioning, his ability, his pressure, it's going to get to Berto and break him down. Uh, it, it could be fun while it lasts. Like I've always said, Andre Berto just reminds me of a smaller version of Jeff, Jeff Lacey, um, and there's not a lot of defense there. So, yeah, uh, not seeing this. I'm not seeing – this could go the distance, but – you know, I think Sean Porter comes out and finds his fight to be a little bit easier than expected. And almost, I wouldn't say similar fashion to Pauly Malignaggi because he completely ran over Pauly. But I think he he figures out real quick that he's, uh, he's, he's dominant and he'll put it all together and get another victory. I agree. I think Porter takes him out. I think Porter gets a knockout. His first and a second. I think, what, Pauly might have been his last stop. Um, yeah, there's, I, I know for sure... Porter only has two knockouts in his last 10 fights. This is something he needs to make that statement and get right back into the mix. Because he can't keep sh- sitting on the shelf. and he- He's in an awkward position where everyone else is taking it. He was just looking around. So, Berto has to be that next stepping stone. He has to get the Garcia fight. Or he has to you know, challenge the winner of Spence, Kell Brook. Try to get that belt back. There's a lot of options for him. But he has to go out there and earn it and go get that. So yeah, definitely. This fight is the first step in that. Um, Ward Kovalev, they had a press conference last week. Trash talk going crazy. Fight is announced for the summer. We'll be there again. I expect a different result. I expect Kovalev, an angry Kovalev, to really bring it to Ward this time. And uh, I think Andre Ward loses and we get a trilogy fight. For some reason, you do not think that. No, because Andre Ward is Andre Ward. And once he figures you out, it's a different fight. I'm not... That's really sure. I mean, an angry Kovalev doesn't fare better against Andre Ward. Well, I think Kovalev was just winded. I, I think Kovalev's conditioning let him down more than Andre Ward solved him. And But big ups to Andre Ward for working the body early. He did that so much. Body punches, body punches. People were looking like, man, you're eating shots to the face. Why are you working the body? And then Kovalev gassed. I mean, yeah, I don't see... Again, I've said this since the beginning. What Andre Ward figured out in the second half of that fight will carry over into this fight. And I'm picking Andre Ward. And I picked Kovalev to win based off of activity last fight. But my problem was is that if you go back and watch that fight, there wasn't a lot of activity. And the as much, and that has nothing to do with Kovalev's conditioning. It had everything to do with what Andre Ward was taking away as an intelligent defensive fighter. So I don't see this being too, diff- too much different. I, th- I think it'll still be close. Because I think Kovalev will fight a little bit smarter and he'll win some rounds. But Ward really knows how to stink some of these rounds out. And I think he'll do that in the rematch. Um, but I'm here, for, I'm here to see it. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, what adjustments that Kovalev makes. Ward's not making any adjustments. He's not a fighter who comes in. He's very much like Floyd Mayweather in the sense that he fights as the fight goes on. And he makes his changes based on what he sees. Not too sure how Kovalev is going to approach this and switch up once Ward takes away a few of his weapons. I can see that. Um, I don't know. I, I think this is the time where we see Kovalev's power return. I think he gets the knockout. He got the Jeez. knockdown in the first one. I think it goes all the way. Yeah, but I mean, dude, he knocked Ward got right back up. He wasn't even hurt. No, he wasn't. I, I, but I think this time we, we see the onslaught by Kovalev. And I just maybe I just want it. Maybe I want that great trilogy. Um, maybe I want you know guys to battle three times in two years, and we can put it on the record books. So it was so close before. I I still think Kovalev won that first fight. 
So I'm not, I'm not picking against him. Yeah, I'm not picking against him in a second. Um, the last one, Triple G is not going to fight this summer. It came out last week, um, taking some time off to heal. You know, very active. He's never done that before. Is he really just waiting for Canelo, or is he really healing I, his body? No, he's absolutely waiting for Canelo. There, there's uh, <laughs> 100% no doubt in my mind that he didn't take a fight this summer because Oscar was the first one to say it. Oscar yeah. was like, oh, he takes a fight in the summer. I don't know. <laughs> no. Go ahead and sit on the sidelines. Wait for Canelo. Call his bluff. Call their bluff. Well, now Canelo's fighting at 164, so there's no way he can say he can't go up to 160. He called, you have to call the bluff. And if you don't get the fight, then it's like he's a bitch. That's, I mean, that's the only way that you can look at it. And, again, I don't put this on Canelo because I think Canelo will fight anybody. I put it on Oscar. And, you know, the whole, oh, he didn't sell that many pay-per-views. And, like, Oscar's got an excuse for everything. <laughs> everything and, in the month. Like Chavez sells pay-per-views, by the way. Well, this fight's going to do pretty big numbers, I think. Yeah, I but think, I'm saying, like, Chavez wasn't a huge pay-per-view star. He, didn't, he never no. had a pay-per-view. Well, yes, he did. He did against Sergio Martinez. Oh, um, really? Shit. I didn't know that was pay-per-view. I ain't Yeah, that's pay-per-view. But, uh, Don't let me yeah. tell on myself, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the, what the Oscar, I think, is trying to do, which works best for him, uh, is milk Canelo for all he's worth. Because Canelo is a pay-per-view attraction. And you know, once he loses, if he, gets, if he were to get washed by Golovkin, he'll be an attraction, but his stock will take a significant hit. And his pay-per-view buys will also take a hit. Which is crazy but, uh, because Oscar's stock never went down when he lost. Oscar was different. Oscar was English-speaking, Mexican-American, good-looking superstar. Yeah, he was on telenovelas. Like, he was a superstar. Key, key word here is English-speaking. People take this for granted. If Canelo spoke English and could do a Nike commercial or do an appearance on a talk show, on a Tonight Show, or, or anything... He would be a much bigger star. It's really simple. No, that's he, very true. Like, you think about every star in boxing that spoke English. Like, Manny Pacquiao's English has improved immensely. Sergey Kovalev is, is improving his English. Golovkin is improving his English. Canelo, he understands some things, but if he spoke English, like Oscar spoke English, and he was from L.A. too, and he was an, an, an American Olympian, Dude, there's a reason. Like, Oscar could lose and was like, all right, so. But, but again, Oscar, like, beat everybody until he lost Tito in what was then coined as the fight of the century, in, in a fight that he gave away. Then he lost to Shane Mosley in another huge fight. But, dude, a, a loss to Canelo will hurt right now. Canelo got a long way, man, a long way to go. So it's hard to, to think one loss hurts. But you, you're probably right. Um, and Oscar's protecting the cash cow. Got to. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, we got to talk wrestling. Once again, a ton of stuff happened. Like, man, two weeks. We can't do that shit again. Um, so we're just going to run down everything real quick, give our thoughts on everything. We haven't even talked about the shakeup and all that and what's happened since. There was a dope New Japan card. So we'll just touch a little bit on everything before we get out of here. You guys wait. Right after, right after the break, we're talking wrestling. All right, everybody, before we continue to talk more combat sports, we got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. 
Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online, and it's completely risk-free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. What up, everybody? Thanks for staying through the break. It's time for wrestling. Two weeks worth of wrestling. Um, we got to rewind it all the way back and go to the shakeups. Night one, Raw. Everyone thought Raw just washed SmackDown. Dean Ambrose came over. Miz came over. Um, Alexa Bliss came over. The list is on and on and on and on. Who do you think had the best end of the shakeups? And then we can run down the exact people who went from where to where. Oh, boy. This is tough because it's not, to me, it's, it's not the talent you get. It's what you do with that talent. And uh, obviously, it looks like SmackDown got the better end by getting Kevin Owens um, and getting Charlotte as the, the biggest pulls. Um, you know, Raw getting Bray Wyatt's a big deal and Dean Ambrose and The Miz, but it's really it really is up to how these they use this talent. And I'm not really super confident in SmackDown right now, which we could talk about in a little bit. But um, what? Yeah, I'll explain. I'll explain. But okay. I, I think I think SmackDown got the better end of the superstar shakeup with getting Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens, which is which is huge, and getting Charlotte, which really puts a staple on there, but it's I, I really love seeing Alexa Bliss on Raw. Uh, um, you didn't even mention the New Day because they're waiting for Kofi to get healthy, but they're on SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, the New Day on SmackDown, which I presume is going to lead to a Big E run. I think that's going to happen now that he's on SmackDown. Um, so, yeah, I think SmackDown got the better end of the deal. I mean, the Raw has a revival, but now, you know, they, they're dealing with an injury. Um and Ross loves the Hardy Boys, but that's not part of the Superstar shakeup. No, um, not until but, they're broken. I don't want to yeah. see shit about the Hardys until they're full broken. I, I just think that Raw had to get rid. They were overloaded, and SmackDown didn't have enough. So it's a little bit more balanced now. All right. So let's run down. Raw got Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, Kurt Hawkins. All right. They got a jobber, which is good because Sam Sammy left. So you need a jobber. Um, Dean Ambrose. The Miz, Maurice, Apollo Crews, Kalisto, who this works well if he goes into the 205 Live. He's Slater and Rhino. So that's their haul. I mean, that's it's a strong, strong list. We'll see if Apollo Crews gets lost in a shuffle of Raw like he did SmackDown. Um, then SmackDown Live gets Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, New number one contender, Jinder Mahal, which we'll talk about. Primo Epico, who I guess have kind of gone even more heel, which is nice. Charlotte, Sin Cara, Rusev, Lana, Big E, Kofi, and Xavier. So obviously the new day. I didn't know Sin, Sin Cara moved over. I just traded a mask for a mask with Kalisto. Um, yeah. 
SmackDown, it just looks better on paper. You look at SmackDown and you go, wow, look at all this talent they got. But they, they needed it desperately uh, because they were, they were running out of options for guys like AJ Styles to wrestle. Uh, so, yeah, it, oh, it looks and, good. And, excuse me, and they got Nakamura and Ty Dillinger. That's not part of the Superstar Show. Just can't count randomly. That. I'm just yeah. saying. Because, I mean, that means, like, if you look at that, the Raw got the Revival and the Harder. So it's like there's, there's good and bad on each side. And we can talk about all of that. Because, again, I don't like what SmackDown is doing. All right. Let's start, uh, let's start with Raw, though. Just over the past two weeks, we'll lump them together. We've seen Braun Strowman probably be the best worker on that side now. I don't even, I wouldn't call him a worker. I just call him the best character. Uh, tra- the, yeah, the best attraction. Okay. What he did to Roman Reigns last week was, <laughs> was easily the best segment of the year and second only to the Festival of Friendship. That beatdown and him keep him returning three times to continue the beatdown, <laughs> dude, I was hollering. But this is what Strowman should have been the entire time. But, um, but he's a face now. Well, that's the not. strength of Roman Reigns well, is that not. he turned him into a face. He's still a heel, right? And <laughs> keeping Roman Reigns off of television with the injury angle further puts forth the fact that they want to keep Roman a babyface and Braun Strowman a heel. If they would have brought Roman back the next week, he would have got booed out the building. They always do this with Roman. He'll, some, he'll be at his peak heel moment, then he'll disappear. And they wrote him off of television. So Braun <laughs> Strowman is effectively still a heel. Yeah, I mean, the crowd says otherwise, right? It's all yeah, in the crowd reactions, and there was a lot of thank you, Strowman chants. Of course. But, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where they diffuse the heat on Roman, um, and they're going to use Braun because it's, it's tough. Because if you effectively make Braun Strowman a babyface, then he loses a lot of steam because he has to do babyface things. So he can be this, this heel, but people just love him because he just mashes people. And he mashed Roman Reigns, and he blew up the ring. Who The MVP of that was the ref. The ref taking the bump and flying out of the ring <laughs> was like he made that drop look like it was like thirty two feet. It looked like a two foot fall, but he took that bump like a trooper. Yeah, the the ref sold it. He's he's the real MVP right now. The ref needs to get a number one type like contender shot or something. Um, I was very impressed by the Big Show. So the Slim Show can actually go again a little bit. They yeah. had good spots. They had chain wrestling. Um, that was a good match. Strowman is a good worker. Um, I still think Roman Reigns is a good worker now. So their match, you know, coming up is something I really, really anticipate. Uh, what else do we have? We have Bray Wyatt. I thought him, once again, they have to finish this, what, House of Horrors or something? Match. It's garbage. It's garbage that you, you're looking forward to. Listen, I was looking forward. Now, now it's just, it means nothing because Orton has to keep the title over on the other brand, so. It really means nothing. It's kind of just thrown together. Um, I don't think they meant to move Bray over until last second. And Vince woke up one night. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're moving him over. Like, Vince, what about this match? We set up the entire thing at Mania for it. He's like, ah, keep it. It's, so, it's, a, it's further a, another disservice to Bray Wyatt. Because if he can't win this House of Horrors match, then it's like, what is the point of all this voodoo magic shit if you can never win a match with it? I don't get it. Now now I'm just getting to the point where everything he does blows up in his face. And <laughs> why, what's the point, dude? Like, losing to Randy Orton, if, if it's not for the title, if it's so predictable of a finish, 
I don't understand why we're even doing this. A House of Horrors match? How can Randy Orton beat Bray Wyatt in his own type of match? And if he does, this is fucking stupid. On a Raw pay-per-view for that matter. Stupid. Well, if anything, then Bray has to win, take the belt back over to SmackDown, and Randy has to come to Raw. Randy's a much better Raw guy than he is SmackDown. Better question. Is this match even for the title? I haven't heard that mentioned, so that's a good question. But I did like the Bray Wyatt-Finn Balor tease. I like it, but again, I, I just feel Bray's like... Bray's going to lose, but that's one hell of a, a feud. But it, it, the feud really works if Bray Wyatt means something. If his voodoo magic shit doesn't mean anything, then the feud with Finn Balor is not like the demon versus Sister Abigail. It's, it's, it, it loses a lot of steam. Bray Wyatt never gets sustained momentum, and that's my biggest issue with what they do with Bray Wyatt. The dude beat AJ Styles and John Cena clean. And then lost a bullshit, horrible match to Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Nice, and if he loses again, they just squash all the momentum he had. No, that's true. He built up good momentum, won the title, had you know good matches. That he was good as the tag champion with Randy. That was a decent angle. Hopefully, they don't lose everything um, going forward. So that's pretty much Raw. Oh, Finn Balor came back, was almost concussed, but he wasn't. Uh, my hard body Mahal. Oh, um, Dean Ambrose is still the Intercontinental Champion. Who is he feuding with? Uh, it looks like The Miz, which makes absolutely no sense. Didn't and they I, just I, do that shit? Exactly. Which, which again, Dean Ambrose, Another. this is my problem with Raw. It's just their talent, the way they're using them is wrong. If Dean Ambrose turns heel, because, dude, he's not good as a babyface. He's just not. And his offense is weak, and it's like he does the same shit every match. Dean Ambrose is, is a guy who I was very high on when the Shield first entered the scene. He's like by far the worst member of the Shield now. Oh shit, he's worse than Roman. Yeah, like Roman, like Dean Ambrose is annoying to me now. Like oh. his promos, his carefree promos—they're not really fun. His matches work the same way. Um, if I need a crazy Dean Ambrose, I need a guy who just doesn't give a fuck, and he's not that guy right now. He still panders to the audience. I don't like it. All right. Um, I think that's all the feuds. Tag teams, the Hardys are just running over everyone. Well, dude, they, they set up the Revival to have a great run. And now, you know, is it Wilder that's hurt until yeah. summer? Yeah, it sucks. Can't, I can't even remember which one is which, but I think it's Wilder. Yeah, it sucks, man. Because, I mean, they look so strong and injuring uh, Kofi Kingston to write him off a of television. It looked like the Revival was going to get a decent run. And now they're not. Um yeah, I mean, Raw, it's like the Superstar shakeup, it happened, and then, you know, I, I enjoy seeing Alexa Bliss. She's going to get a shot at Bailey. I really like how far she's come along. But Raw is just kind of like it's there, and uh, nothing is really jumping out at me on Raw. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Raw is definitely stale. SmackDown has some promise. Dude, so, and then, wait, wait, wait. There's no, like, dude, we haven't even talked about Brock Lesnar. He's a champ. We haven't even talked about him for two weeks. Oh, I forgot about Brock Lesnar. Exactly, everybody has. But he's the champ. He's holding your title hostage, but he's not on television. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'll bring him back to, you know, fight Strowman or Roman. Those are only two guys he's going to wrestle. So everyone else on the Raw roster is just kind of in limbo, Finn oh, included. It, it, at least we're getting a Seth Rollins-Samoa Joe match at, at uh, Payback, which I'm looking forward to. Hey, that should be good. Um, yeah. We'll see where Samoa Joe's character goes. Because I like the character, but with the belt wrapped around Lesnar... It's going to be they. They have their three guys at the top: Lesnar, Strowman, Roman. So I, I don't know 
what else, where else anyone could fit. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's it's tough to fit these guys in. All right, let's move to SmackDown. Um, SmackDown, Jinder Mahal, number one contender. That's it. There's my problem with SmackDown. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess mean, WWE India is getting a huge push. It was just announced I, and all this stuff. I, so we see the Bollywood ball boys, Jinder Mahal. It's like a three week thing just to get yeah. India hype. But do you hear how much I, I dog? I don't care. It's three like, weeks. Dude, do you know how backwards the concept of a Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton match headlining a pay-per-view where your secondary title is AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens? Do you hear how fucking backwards that is? Listen, like it's that, not going to be a good match. I don't know what to tell you. We can But dude, that is your that's my problem with SmackDown. Rand, look, Randy Orton has been known to phone it in against guys who can't really have a good match. Jinder Mahal's never had a good match. <laughs> never. Never. So this is your main event program. You just acquired Sami Zayn, which you effectively buried again, and you're putting AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. Which I my uh, take on this is too soon. Like we're already going to AJ Styles Kevin Owens program, dude. That's like a SummerSlam program or a Survivor Series. Program. It's definitely a main title program. It's but it's a U.S. title program. Yeah. Right. And then on top of that, like. You, everybody else, like Randy Orton and like Jinder Mahal, dude. Jinder Mahal just lost to Cesaro. He just lost. He just lost to uh, uh, your boy. Uh, Jesus Christ! Why can't I think of your Battle Royal rim- winner? Yonder the Dragon Memorial. Oh, Mojo. Oh, Rock. Mojo Rock. <laughs> dude, he, he lost to Mojo. He was, dude. He's terrible. Like this whole India thing. I don't even think they're gonna pick up on this shit. Like, bringing in the Bollywood boys, I get it. But Jinder Mahal has never wrestled a match that I've ever cared about in his entire life. And he still won't. It, but he's going to be in the main program. Well, just and because it, the Indian joint was announced. Give it but, time. But, no, I'm not. Because it's your, pay, it's your next pay-per-view main event. And it goes back to the WrestleMania thing. If Jericho Owens was your main event, you could have gave that 30 minutes. But now you have to focus your energy on something else. So if AJ Styles and Kevin Owens don't headline this pay-per-view, which they should, because AJ Styles is the biggest smart star on SmackDown, and Kevin Owens was just coming over the title run on Raw, then you're just ruining everything. But having Jinder Mahal compete for your top title with that stacked roster is a disservice to everybody on that roster. <laughs> it really is. I mean, when your roster features Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Nakamura, it, it's kind of stupid to have Jinder Mahal in the main program. Dude, I mean, come on. But they're they're building it up, and we'll see who gets the push after that to go against Randy. Because Randy still needs competition, obviously. I'm not sure if he's a face or a heel entirely. Randy's got to drop the title. Oh, I quick, don't, I don't, quick. I don't even enjoy it on him. Quick. No, he has, like, no heat. There's nothing behind him. Um, Nobody cares. No. You would assume Cena would come back sooner or later. Uh, imagine this, this year... Money in the Bank is a SmackDown exclusive. Can you think of a better match than Cena, Knock, Styles, uh, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn in the Money in the Bank match? Yeah, but that won't happen. With Orton holding the title? Yeah, it won't happen. But yeah, it'd be great. But, then, but further, we're gonna get, my, we're gonna at least get four. But it further drives home my point that a Randy Orton Jinder Mahal program with that kind of roster. Is it makes you, everybody look like shit because then it's like, all right, Nakamura is going to fight under this match. Like, what? Him versus your boy Ziggler, which should be a good match. But yeah, but it's like, dude, 
all, a, anything. Like, Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal shouldn't headline a SmackDown house show, much <laughs> less a pay-per-view. That, Listen, this, we're this mailing it in. We could be drunk by the end of it, and yeah. it won't be a problem because we don't care. Yeah, it's, it's This is a misappropriation of resources. Jinder Mahal is trash. He's so bad. He's <laughs> Tell him how you feel. Um, talking about resources, before we get out of here, we have to talk about NXT. And now they're in a weird spot. Like I said, they would be. Yeah, it's... uh, I like the roster as currently presented, but there's no one at the top. There's no it got. Um, Chubby Chris Hero, a lot of people doubt whether he can be the it guy. He won't. He's, he's there to... Push guys along. He's not. That's it. Um, ooh, who debuted last week? Drew Galloway. Drew Galloway is back. Uh, Drew McIntyre. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that was cool. Drew can go. Drew's a big ass dude. He has the look I, of it, dude. He's huge. I mean, Vince was big on Drew Galloway when Drew first came. You know, think about this for a minute. Jinder Mahal right now. Is the number one guy to come out of that uh, that boy band with Heath Slater, Jinder Mahal, and Drew McIntyre? <laughs> Which is well, that's not saying much right now. I'm just saying, like Drew, Drew was that guy. And Drew's Drew, gonna he's gonna pass all of them. Yeah, he should. I mean, the guy is he's an excellent talent. They just misused him. Um, but yeah, you know, back to what you're saying. Yeah, Drew debuted last week, and we had Aleister Black, and but yeah, it, it looks like we're going the Hideo Itami. Uh, Bobby Roode route without any real build of Hideo Itami, who's cooled off unbelievably since debut on NXT. What, what it feels like what three years ago? Yeah, Itami's been dude. Injuries have ruined Hideo. He came Itami. in with Owens and Balor and came like, in before them. Well, same time. Before they all got I'm signed on he, the same day. I'm just saying, Itami debuted before all of them. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah. Um, they all signed on the same day, though. But yeah, Tommy was gonna get the first push. He, what shit? He was on Mania yes. and Battle Royal. He got he had an entrance, I think. Dude, he, he didn't even start in the ring. Like they gave him the music. My man Kenta was primed for the top spot. Now he feels like an also ran. Um, but they're throwing but, him right into the queue with Bobby Roode. Yeah, because you have to push him quick. Because now he's you know he's a glass doll. You got to get your money's worth. Um, everyone else is up there. You got to give him a run, give him a title run real quick, take it off of him, and push him right to the main roster. Because his time is ticking. He's, he wasn't supposed to be down there this long. Well, I mean, I don't foresee any NXT call-ups for another year. Or maybe six months. Bobby Roode will be next. I would, I would assume I that Bobby... I think Roode and Atami go next. And then I don't you got to get something You got to get something out of, you know, Cien Almas. Um, you got to get something... Out of Alistair Black, who's I think is going to be a star. He's that next um, amazing entrance where Trips is going to blow the budget on his entrances, uh, Undertaker style. I don't know. He has to prove it. Um, He's got a ways to go. No, yeah, yeah, but I, I think already the character Trips is in love with, and he'll put a lot of money behind it. Um, we'll see. No one else has an entrance for Trips to go crazy over. Yeah, it's. NXT is just in this weird place right now. It's, but it's, again, it's still packed with talent. It's packed with talent. It just doesn't feel like must-watch television. Um, and, they, I mean, they're making the great movie. I mean, the problem is is that it came in so hot. 
with getting the best of the best in the indie world. Yeah. You know, from the Finn Balor and the Kevin Owens and, you know, getting a Tommy. And it, now it's like they're getting the second best of the best. Um, yeah. And the indies are still thriving, which is the thing. It's like you feel like you're gutting Ring of Honor and you're gutting these, these organizations. But, dude, they're still doing exceptionally well. Well, because they're, they're now getting the second best of them. Yeah. So um, NXT, I'm just curious because, I, I mean, I've, I've made this claim a number of times on the show that I'm just not a big fan of Bobby Roode's work rate in the ring. And I think it hurts. Uh, he's, I think he's a great person for the title. Um, but I, I feel like his, his place is on the main roster. I don't think his place is so much on, as an NXT champion. Uh, and, I, like, what else can he really accomplish there? Yeah, so, I mean, now he's kind of run out of options. Um, NXT will really take off again when they sign the next big three. And you know it's coming. It's just it's not now. So they're in limbo. Um, but you know the signings are coming. The the Ricochet, the Jay Lethal, um, the Adam Cole. Hell, in a year, they they may get Kenny Omega or something. Like it's coming. It's just, what 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 is happening is this is my opinion. What is happening is that the rosters are, are super loaded. I think it's more important to manage the talent that you have than to keep piling talent on. Because what we're seeing on SmackDown... But, I mean, NXT Raw, isn't... I mean, we just talked about NXT. They're void of stars. Yeah, but, but my point is, is like to keep to sign more talent would mean on an hour show that you have, is it mean you have to push guys up to the main roster. And there's really no room on the main roster for any NXT talent right now. So it's better suited that you find a way to build what you have instead of trying to frantically sign more indie stars. Like... If you have if you have Bobby Roode there now, and you want to build a Tommy, you want to build Alistair Black, you want to use Chris Hero, like you still the problem is you still only have an hour to do this a week. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's like you gotta you gotta appropriate these resources properly. You gotta build proper feuds. Like you can't keep Roode off a of television for three weeks. It hurts. So you gotta you gotta keep these guys hot. You gotta keep a Tommy and Roode. You have to build that feud to the next NXT takeover, and it has to be built properly. Which is coming up quick, by the way. Right, and and, on, and then you have like the authors of pain. You gotta have like is heavy machinery really what you're gonna use for the next tag team? I think so. So it's it's I don't, I don't know, man. Like I want to see NXT do well. It's just not appointment viewing for me right now. Like I still watch it. And I'm hoping that it, you know it finds its footing again. But I, I you know with Nakamura leaving, and hopefully they you know I feel like with Nakamura leaving, you have to put a rocket on his back. On SmackDown, which uh, I don't know how somebody's got to somebody falls victim to the Nakamura rocket. It's either Kevin Owens, or AJ Styles, and I'm assuming it's going to be Kevin Owens. But I would have liked to see Nakamura in NXT a little bit longer. Yeah, it's just, but it, just just to filter out the talent and, and work with what you have because Sami Zayn is still not getting the push he needs. So I don't know, and I, you know. I, I wish we could have demoted a few guys too. I wish Apollo Cruz took his ass back to NXT. He needs it because he could have been NXT champion. Him versus Rude would have been a good feud. That's what I'm saying. Like there's, there's, you gotta, you, you have to use your resources properly, and I, I don't think we're there yet. And NXT Takeover Chicago is May twentieth. That's dude. That's so close. So it's a month after Mania. Yeah, a little month, month in like a couple weeks. But yeah. this should be the last one before Brooklyn. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully um, they don't keep piling it 
it, it, you gotta get, it's, just, it's a lot, man. I mean, this NXT TakeOver, because uh, you have to build Asuka and Ember Moon. Yep. Like, you have a legit program there, and you have to build it. Authors of Pain, you haven't even put up a contender yet. So you got to spend next week with that. Like, this week they spent a lot of time with Ty Dillinger and his, his send-off, beating uh, uh, Eric Young. Yeah. Like, with do a sanity. Uh, you know, how do you build the next female stars? Because... Dude, Liz, Liv Tyler and those girls, they're not it. They're they're not. Oh, it. by no means. But, I mean, it's its Ruby Riot, um, the chick from Sanity, and then you obviously have Asuka and Ember Moon. Yeah, I mean, my point is is that you have to filter out this talent. By having, like, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay fight, you know, uh, Aaliyah and, and Liv Tyler on television, it takes time away from building towards a meaningful tag team feud. Yeah. The, like the Authors of Pain, or it takes away from Bill, like Chris Hero or Cassius Ono wasn't even on the show, and Roderick Strong wasn't even on the show. So it's like you got a lot of talent, you just got to use them right. Yep, you got to give them the time. Definitely. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much our show. We caught up on two weeks. I'm sure that people loved having us back. Don't worry, we got you guys. Um, no more hiatuses. We understand. The setup is nice now. We're back in the game. The laptop, rest in peace. You know, Undertaker bounced and the laptop bounced. That's that's what happened, man. The dead man took the, the old laptop with him. So we're set up now. We're bringing you guys the show every week. Thank you guys for sticking in there for the week. Um, find us on social media. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. The show at The Corner LSN on all platforms. For now, we got work to do. It's piling up. We'll talk to you guys next weekend. We're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.